0: The Whole Health Cure with Dr. Sharon Burquist, the podcast that brings you inspiration and skills for living a healthy and fulfilled life.
1: Welcome to the Whole Health Cure podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Berkwist. On this podcast, we explore the science and provide inspiration and skills for living your happiest, most fulfilling and healthiest life. While nearly all parents agree that a nutritious diet is important for children to thrive, most feel that their children are not eating a healthy diet. That's not surprising given the demands of busy families and confusing, conflicting research about what diet is really best for health. Today I'm joined by Dr. Reshma Shah and Brenda Davis to talk about how parents can become the experts of nourishing their families. Um, So Reshma is a board-certified pediatrician and affiliate clinical instructor at Stanford University of Medicine. She has additional training and certification in plant-based nutrition and cooking. She lives in the Bay Area with her husband and two children. Brenda is a registered dietitian and a leader in the field and an internationally acclaimed speaker. As a prolific nutrition and health writer, she has co-authored 12 books with nearly a million copies in print in 14 languages. Her most recent works include Nourish, to be released November in 2020, Kick Diabetes Essentials, which was released in 2019, The Kick Diabetes Cookbook, Becoming Vegan Comprehensive Edition, and Becoming Vegan Express Edition. Both Becoming Vegan books have won awards, including the Canada Book Award, and have also received a star rating by the American Library Association as the go-to books on plant-based nutrition. Brenda has been a featured speaker at medical and nutrition conferences in over 20 countries on five continents. She is also co-author of several peer-reviewed journal articles. Brenda is the lead clinical nutrition specialist for the Diabetes Intervention Project in the Marshall Islands. Brenda is a past chair of the Vegetarian Nutrition Dietetic Practice Group of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And in 2007, was inducted into the Vegetarian Hall of Fame. They are both co-authors of Nourish, the definitive plant-based nutrition guide for families that's due out in November and it's an evidence-based practical resource that explores the many benefits of a plant-based diet and provides parents with the tools they need to feed their families for health and with joy.
2: Reshma and Brenda,
1: thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us.
2: Thanks so much, Sharon. Very nice to be here again.
1: Yeah, and and thank you for joining us again, Brenda. And for both of you, you know, this is such an important topic. You know, as a parent, I know how important it is to feel that you're feeding your kids well, and I certainly understand all the pressures of um, doing so with work and how busy life is. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about why you wrote this book?
0: Yeah, I think that um, Brenda's written so many amazing books on vegan and vegetarian diets, and um, we sort of got to know one another by attending one of these plant-based nutrition conferences and formed a really wonderful friendship. And I think the reason that we wrote this book, um, well, first of all, for me, it was like an honor and a great pleasure to have the opportunity to work with Brenda, but we really wanted to provide parents with a resource um, that could make them feel confident uh, and very comfortable uh, in using a plant-based diet as a way to nourish their families. And we really didn't see that there was such a resource out there for parents. And we wanted to make it as comprehensive, evidence-based, and at the same time, uh, very accessible
1: for families. yeah I can understand that and um, and when you say plant-based so in the book um, what are the patterns and types of foods that you are encouraging parents?
2: Do you want me to take that Rishma? well we're we're really encouraging a, a largely a whole food plant-based diet. So really focusing on increasing intake of vegetables and fruits and legumes and whole grains and nuts and seeds and minimizing um, highly processed foods and animal products.
1: And what are the main reasons um, for parents, you know, to choose to raise their plant, uh, I mean to raise their children on plant-based diets?
0: So we know that in adults, um, plant-based and plant-centered diets um, have been associated with a lot of positive health outcomes, including, you know, if you look at the at the blue zones, some of the longest-lived populations on the planet enjoy a plant-centered diet. Um, we also know that people eating a plant-based diet have... Uh, improved statistics in terms of overall mortality and um, heart disease, as well as diabetes, certain cancers. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And for children specifically, you know, if you think about incorporating this dietary approach from an early age, um, it stands to reason that they would also enjoy the many benefits um, as they get older, but as a pediatrician, you know, we're seeing some of these chronic medical conditions creep even into childhood. So we see kids with high blood pressure and even type two diabetes. So not only can it prevent some of those chronic diseases from occurring in children as they get older, um, but also in childhood, but I think most importantly, it sort of sets them up for a lifelong healthy approach to eating. Um, And that's the main reason that I think plant centered diets are um, healthy for children. But we also know, you know, we want to leave our children with a planet that they can actually inhabit. Um, And so specifically for children, it addresses a lot of the climate uh, issues and Really, it's the only dietary approach um, that offers sort of an ethical approach to eating. And we know that children are really, they, set, they sort of start out as these sort of ethical, humane beings. You know, they're very touched by animals. And um, I have two teenagers at home, and I know they care very much about the environmental issues. So it's a really comprehensive way to not only support their health uh, and individual well being, but also for them to be active global citizens that addresses so many of the concerns that we're facing today.
1: Those are such good points, freshmen. and you know, as I think about clinical studies that I review, there's so many in adults for disease prevention, and as you mentioned, for longevity. Um, And because we're seeing these same diseases in earlier and early ages, it seems like the perfect um, approach to think of the same dietary patterns that help adults that could also help children.
0: And specifically in children you know when they've looked at nutrient intakes comparing um, children who follow plant-based diets versus omnivorous children um, they have uh, improved intake of fruits and vegetables and um, lots of nutrient-dense foods. So all of those things um, also help in childhood. Additionally, there have been some smaller studies that have looked at the elimination of dairy as a way to treat constipation in children. Um, And there's been some studies to suggest that um, dairy can contribute to colic in infancy as well. So there are also some specific health advantages uh, in children. And as a pediatrician, we treat constipation Almost like it's a daily occurrence that we're seeing in our clinical practices. So um, plant-based diets can definitely help with those specific pediatric conditions as well.
1: Yeah, and that, that's so interesting that you mentioned that, Reshma, because you know, so many parents think, okay, children need milk. You know, they have to have their milk every day. Um, and you know, you're pointing that maybe that's not good advice. And it's really raising the question: are plant-based diets safe for children? You know, we know that.
2: It's fine for adults, but how about for the needs of children? Yeah, um, this is Brenda. And, and you know, when I became a dietitian, I can remember going through university and, and we learned that plant-based diets, uh, vegetarian and vegan diets, probably weren't safe for children. And that's what we thought back in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, but since that time, we've had numerous studies really looking at uh, how children do over time and and there are some long-term studies some fairly large studies that have compared omnivorous and 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 um, uh, plant-based children and uh, we have gained so much knowledge over the, the past uh, probably two and a half three decades that in the most recent uh, version of the uh, position statement of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics they very unequivocally state that well-planned plant-based diets are safe and adequate at every stage of the life cycle, including pregnancy and lactation, infancy, childhood, adolescence, adulthood, and, and, through, and even for athletes. And, and if we look at the studies, we, we have studies comparing, um, you know, children, omnivorous children and, and vegetarian children that show that vegetarian children grow as well and they do as well uh, from a cognitive perspective. And, and basically um, what is required is that plant-based diets provide sufficient calories, sufficient variety, uh, sufficient vitamin B12, whether that comes from, uh, you know, fortified foods or supplements. Um, but if, if we do all of these things, that children not only, um, you know, are, are, the, the diets are not only safe and adequate, but that children thrive.
1: Thanks, Brenda. And you know, one question that seems to come up both for adults, as well as a concern some parents have is around protein. Um, And, you know, as you said, diets are safe for children and adequate, but how can parents ensure that their kids get enough protein without meat and enough calcium without milk?
2: Yeah, so I I mean, I I think our society conditions us from a pretty early age to believe that meat is necessary for protein and cow's milk is necessary for calcium. But in fact, uh, they're not necessary. And if you look at uh, protein needs in childhood, it's its actually kind of surprising how little protein is actually needed. Of course, we all need protein for growth and development and maintenance of our body tissues, but plants actually are good sources of protein. In fact, if you buy, um, you know, fortified soy milk or you buy uh, legumes or, or even some of the, you know, veggie meat substitutes, the levels of protein in these foods are very comparable to the foods they're replacing in sort of an omnivorous diet. And in fact, most omnivores get probably double, you know, at least double the protein they need. And in fact, children, the studies from Australia and the United States, both have shown that or or several have shown that that little children get probably three to four times the protein that they actually need. Uh, So there is no issue with getting enough protein on a plant-based diet when it's reasonably well-planned and children are eating uh, a variety of foods. And and in terms of calcium, that may be a little bit more of a challenge because of course we know cow's milk is is quite a concentrated uh, source of calcium with about 300 milligrams per cup. But in fact, milks, plant milks that are fortified, like soy milk or pea milk, uh, contain about the same amount of calcium as cow's milk. And uh, there are other foods like tofu and, and legumes and, and uh, dark green leafy vegetables that, that are lower in oxalates um, that all provide very reasonable calcium uh, sources. So I think you know people are, are really conditioned to think you know, dairy products when they think calcium. And, and people that shift towards a plant-based diet simply need to learn about the alternative sources of calcium for themselves and their children. And they are abundant in nature. In fact, in Paleolithic times, people consumed between about 1000 and 2000 milligrams of calcium without a single drop of cow's milk. So it's absolutely possible. Yeah, no, that, that's really
1: good perspective. And, and so there, you can get the protein, you can get the nutrients, but, but why would parents want to put their parents on a plant-based diet? What are the advantages of doing that?
2: Well, you know, um, we know that children can achieve adequate growth and development, but the overall quality of the diet when you're eating a plant-based diet tends to be higher. And we see this in study after study. Children eating plant-based diets have greater intakes of fruits, vegetables, legumes, nuts, and seeds. And they also have reduced intakes of things that we're not wanting to consume like uh, like like uh, sweet sodas and and saturated fat from you know high fat animal products so they they tend to eat more of the good things and fewer of the potentially harmful things in the diet
1: mm mm-hmm. And and what can parents do to foster their kids eating fruits and vegetables? So, you know, it's one thing for us as parents and adults to know that it helps kids and it's adequate. Um, And of course, there's, you know, certainly a challenge to, you know, getting kids to love um, these natural foods over processed foods. So what can parents do to um, encourage their kids to love plant-based whole foods?
0: You know, I think one of the best things parents can do um, to encourage their children is to eat and enjoy these foods themselves um, on a regular basis by just providing them. Um, Studies have shown repeatedly that um, tactics such as bribing and pushing and prompting and rewarding or punishing um, around food, not only do they simply not work, um, but they can actually be quite damaging to the relationship between the parent and the child. And, you know, I'm a parent of two teens, so I've been guilty of some of these tactics myself, you know, this idea that, well, if you finish this, then you can have that. So one more bite of broccoli or two more bites of, you know, whatever it is, and you can have X, Y, and Z. And, I think uh, it's important to acknowledge that those tactics can work in the short term because if you tell a child if you finish your broccoli, you can have you know whatever it is, they are likely to do it, but it, in the long term, it is not a good tactic because of a couple of things. first, it sort of undermines the value of the food that you're getting them to, to want to eat so telling them that they have to eat the broccoli sort of makes broccoli seem not that appealing um, so it undermines their eff- your efforts in sort of Teaching that these foods are inherently like good and delicious and all these wonderful things. The other thing is, it really doesn't give them um, any incentive on their own to want to choose these foods. So Yes, we absolutely want to create a household where we're feeding our children nutritious foods on a regular basis. But ultimately, we want them to be able to make these choices independent of us. So when they're out in the world after COVID, um, you know, where they're actually making their own independent food choices, they choose these foods naturally on their own without any sort of reward. Um, So I think setting up a healthy environment around food. uh, The first step is to just have those foods abundantly and readily available. Um, So whether it's a fresh bowl of fruit or vegetables that are cut up and easy for them to eat and modeling the behavior yourself um, is the best way because kids are paying attention to us all the time. So if they see us really, you know, enjoying seasonal fruit or delicious vegetables I think they're more inclined to want to try them themselves and you know I think it sounds kind of cliche but getting kids involved in the process as much as possible really does encourage them to eat it Um, so I think offering these foods not pressuring not bribing not rewarding and certainly not punishing um, when it comes to foods is the best way and it may seem like it takes a bit longer uh, but I think that's how you sort of instill these habits in our children for the long haul.
1: Yeah, and, and they're really two parts of this, so that was really helpful in terms of, you know, role modeling to encourage kids to eat the whole foods, but beyond the selection of foods, there's kind really a relationship that, you know, people form with food um, in terms of, you know, food can be a lot of things. Certainly, we eat for nutrition, and we eat for calories and energy, um, but food can take on many roles in our life, you know, for stress, and, can be um, something that calms people, it can be pleasure. So what can parents do to foster a healthy relationship with food for their children? You
0: know, I think one of the things um, as parents, um, I think it's important to sort of um, set the stage that, I really hesitate to sort of categorize foods as good or bad, healthy or unhealthy, because there can be a lot of sort of guilt and shame around that language and that dialogue. Uh, So I think it's just, As parents, I actually, as for younger kids, I think it's important to not overly emphasize the nutritional aspects of things and just um, create delicious meals that your family can enjoy and um, creating a habit of just eating together as a family, um, focusing on foods that are really gonna nourish you and creating a sense of enjoyment and joy around the dinner table, um, I think is the best way to sort of foster a healthy relationship with food. And I think, you know, if if you focus on being perfect your, your children will pick up on that. And there can be a lot of sort of anxiety and stress. So I think trying to be sort of calm and relaxed and consistent in your approach um, is the most important thing.
2: Yes. And I would add that uh, I think it's really important that children feel some ownership of these choices and to to let them help pick out foods when you're shopping, you're at at the farmer's market, to get them involved in preparing the foods and cooking the foods and teaching them to prepare a meal from a fairly early age or at least contribute to the preparation of a meal. I think it will encourage them a lot to be willing to try new textures and flavors and different foods. And if you have the capacity to actually get children involved with growing foods, um, that it's exciting for them. And, and then it's even more fun to, to eat those foods.
1: Yeah, and, and more delicious, so no, I completely agree. I know we, we love doing that as a family as well. Um, yeah, that's great advice now. Are there any drawbacks that parents should know about plant-based diets? Like any specific nutrients um, that they need to be aware that they may not um, get enough of for their kids, like for example, you know, B12, the omega-3s, you know, is there anything specifically that they need to supplement
2: or think about? Yeah, and I I think that parents need to recognize that, you know, plant-based diets just like omnivorous diet need to be, I should say, plant-based diets just like omnivorous diets need to be well-planned in order to sort of maximize the nutritional benefits and minimize the risk of of any potential deficiencies. And and one of the things that we do need to be conscious of with very small children, especially, is that plant-based diets can be very concentrated sources of fiber. And while this is really a a wonderful thing uh, for the entire life cycle, for some children, uh, it can make it difficult to meet uh, our energy needs or their energy needs, so we may need to think about including uh, some foods in the diet that are a little bit lower in fiber, like tofu and perhaps even some you know regular pastas or or uh, mashed potatoes, these kinds of things. Uh, also, we need to think about certain vitamins and minerals that could be lower in a plant-based diet. And of course, the one that comes to mind is what you mentioned, Sharon, the the vitamin B12. And it's really critical that during um, pregnancy and lactation that a, a mother is ensuring a reliable source of vitamin B12, but also ensuring that, that as soon as the child starts on solid foods, that there's a, a source of vitamin B12 provided and that I mean, the most reliable source is a supplement, and so that's a, a very reasonable uh, choice. And then um, uh, the other things that that come up are vitamin D, iodine, and omega-3 fatty acids. And so we need to think about all of those and what the potential sources are. For iodine, you know, iodized salt, but uh, some of the seaweeds can be sources. And omega-3 fatty acids, of course, with a plant-based diet, uh, you're not uh, consuming fish, and uh, fish tends to be the primary source of the long-chain omega-3 fatty acids for omnivores. So in plant-based diets, uh, certainly we can get plenty of alpha-linolenic acid, which is the plant omega-3, but not everyone will necessarily convert those fats to long-chain fats very efficiently. So, you know, some consideration to providing direct sources of the long-chain omega-3s, which can come, of course, from microalgae. And, uh, and then of course the other thing is just ensuring sufficient calories. So those are those are the key uh, nutrients. Oh, and I didn't mention, sorry, of course iron um, uh, for especially in early childhood. Uh, iron is a is a huge issue, not just for for um, plant-based eaters, but for omnivores as well. And we need to ensure a reliable source. and And so, for, for young children, a fortified um, iron fortified infant cereal, uh, legumes, and, and uh, you know the a, a reasonable mix of whole plant foods should uh, should uh, provide sufficient iron.
0: And then the other nutrient I would add, just add is, um, and this again also is on omnivorous children as well as vitamin D. Um, as a pediatrician, I've seen a lot of um, vitamin D deficiency in kids, um, especially when we were living in Cleveland where we don't get a lot of sunshine. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and then the other one might be zinc as well for some children and, and, and zinc, the main sources are legumes and nuts and seeds as well. So that's you know, same sort of sources as the iron sources.
1: Do you guys think that um, there's any role for a multivitamin in children?
2: I, I do. Yeah, go ahead. Brenda, you take this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do. I think that it's a really reasonable thing to do because for children, often they can be picky. They, they may want to only eat peanut butter and banana sandwiches one day. And, and you know, that happens with children a lot, providing a multivitamin mineral supplement. Uh, you're getting some of those nutrients like the iron and the zinc and and the extra B12 and vitamin D and the iodine. Uh, you're getting those nutrients and, and it, it's just it gives a little bit of in, an insurance uh, for, for those times that, that children may not be eating the variety they should be eating.
1: Yeah, and and you know when we're talking about plant-based diets, um, what if you know some parents may feel that they can maybe be seventy-five percent plant-based or ninety percent plant-based, um, but still include maybe some yogurt or some fish? Um, what are the you know potential benefits, drawbacks, or how do you advise parents? Like, are they still getting enough nutrients for their kids, or you know is it really important to Um, you know, be more strict with plant-based?
0: Yeah, so I think it's important to meet parents wherever they're at. Um, There are some families uh, where they are very used to sort of a more traditional meat and potatoes kind of diet. And for so so for families like that, I think um, just gradually introducing more plant foods is a great way to begin. I think that studies have shown, and Brenda can definitely talk more about this, that that even swap making the, the change partially has so many advantages. So I always encourage families to not let the idea of having to be perfect, keep them from getting started. I've given um, many talks to parent audiences and um, I've had parents come up afterwards and say, this all sounds wonderful, but I just don't think I could give up uh, eggs or I just don't think that we could not eat fish or whatever the thing may be. Um, And I think it's really important to emphasize that's okay just do as much as you can. Um, And what I found personally in my own family and even in talking to parents is, when you make a change, the next one always becomes easier. So you don't have to be perfect. Uh, The more plants you can eat, the better. And uh, don't, don't, uh, negate the idea or the thought that even though the change may not seem approachable or reasonable for you today, it might be there for you tomorrow. So if there's one or two food groups or categories of food that you feel would be really difficult to to stop eating, um, it's okay. Just make the changes at a pace that seems reasonable for your family.
1: And what is the best way for a family that hasn't been eating plant-based to get started? And You know, you mentioned um, you know, just making small changes, um, but are there, um, like, resources and uh, places to go, or is there, a, you know, some advice around um, maybe some ways that make it easier?
0: Yeah, there's, I mean, the good news is there's so many resources, and we've listed quite a few on our website for the book at um, book.com but there's so many different vegetarian starter guides and meal plans and um, a variety of resources for families these days. I think, for me, the one, I think it's always nice to sort of think about adding foods in instead of giving foods up in the beginning, especially if it's a family that's reluctant or if you have kids that are older that are really not used to this way of eating. So it sounds kind of simple, but just add a green salad at dinner or so. The more that you start to introduce these foods, it kind of crowds out the foods that you're trying to maybe cut back on. So just adding foods in, adding a salad, adding nuts and seeds, adding fruit, fresh fruit um, as a snack. Um, And then I think the next step can be to think about easy swaps. So one of the easiest swaps I think is swapping up plant-based milks for cow's milk. Um, Most kids seem okay with it. My kids certainly were very accepting of that small little change Um, and then finding other places where you can substitute. So uh, tofu in a stir fry instead of chicken, having beans in a burrito instead of beef, um, easy swaps. A lot of families already eat plant-based meals and you know we don't call them vegan but they eat things like pasta with marinara sauce or even peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or a bean chili um, so if your family's already used to eating those kinds of meals just increase the frequency with which you eat them um, and then i think really exploring there's so many amazing um, vegetarian and vegan blogs and cookbooks and you know recipes that parents can find and just you know trying to experiment um, with with some of those resources and a lot of ethnic foods also are very plant-centered and plant-friendly so Indian food for sure and even um, Asian cuisines and Ethiopian food a lot of them are sort of plant-based and plant-centered so having a sense of adventure and fun can be a great way to introduce your family to these foods.
1: And I want to circle back here to a really important point you also made previously about um, building that relationship with food. And that was around just joy at sitting down as a family and eating. Why are regular family meals so important for a child?
0: You know, the research is pretty um, is pretty clear on the benefits of, of family meals. And I, feel, I know that for a lot of families, um, the idea of coming together as a family and enjoying a meal every night is just not possible. I actually think with the pandemic, more families are eating together. It's kind of like Highlight of the day in our household, but um, the average family's meal, the average family spends about 18 minutes, I think, at dinner time. And with busy schedules and stuff, there are a lot of obstacles to creating the time and space for that. Not to mention all the work that goes into planning and prepping and cooking and cleaning the meals, but studies have shown that um, children who eat more frequent family meals, and the studies really focus on five or more family meals, um, and that can be breakfast, lunch, or dinner, um, have better outcomes in terms of health. Um, They tend to have a healthier body weight. They tend to have lower rates of really restrictive or excessive dieting behaviors. Um, They tend to have lower rates of substance abuse, um, using alcohol and cigarettes. They tend to be happier, um, and then they tend to have lower rates of anxiety and depression as well. So, so many benefits to regular family meals. I also think it's an opportunity. You know, our lives are so busy and chaotic, um, and creating sort of a protected space around family mealtime is a way for you to sort of say, "This is our time to come together and connect as a family." It's an opportunity to share family values. And there was one study that looked at um, children's sense of like a self-esteem and well-being, and even sharing family stories of you know when mom grew up or the history of you know how grandparents may have come to the country that having those that sense of family story and creates a sense of belonging and can improve self-esteem in children because they have a sense of place and belonging so so many benefits to family meals and i um just like with uh plant-based foods i think it's important for families to start at a pace that seems reasonable so if you have no if you never eat together as a family Try and and do it once or twice a week and sort of build up gradually. Um, But I think it should be the norm rather than than the exception that we sit together once a day and share a meal. Yeah, that's so important. Restaurant, Brenda, I want to thank you so
1: much, you know, for all that you've shared today. And this has just been tremendous. And I'm so excited for Nourish to come out. Um, It's already available um, on Amazon. And I want to also give you a chance. If there's anything we haven't had a chance to touch on today that you'd like to share, um, to you know, please go ahead and add
2: anything that you feel is important. I guess I can I can just add that uh, that it is really encouraging to see the number of families that are. Adopting plant-based diets and succeeding brilliantly and having wonderfully healthy children who have a very uh, positive relationship with food, who are uh, great eaters, who who enjoy, you know, a broad range of healthy whole plant foods. And I just see this growing uh, constantly, and so it's it's encouraging, and just to know that as families you can connect with other families who are doing something similar. There are always, I mean, not right now maybe, but uh, traditionally potlucks and and different groups that get together, and and having some friends that are doing the same, so their kids can connect uh, over their you know their shared sort of values around food is uh, really quite wonderful. So it's exciting to see what's happening in the world and how this whole movement is being so widely embraced.
0: And I think one last thing that I would add is um, one of the main reasons that Brenda and I wanted to write this book was to provide parents with a resource that they could count on and to invite them to explore this way of eating. And we know that um, families face a lot of challenges, whether it's you know, busy work lives or financial constraints. And it was really our hope to create a compassionate, inviting and nurturing approach to um, exploring plant-based diets for their families. Yeah, and I really love how you
1: have both incorporated um, so much of what's healthy for families, that connection, the joy, the time together. Um, as part of nourishing, you know, their bodies as well as um, just their emotional nourishment. So this is just really tremendous to bring it all together. Um, so I want to thank you both, um, and I, I again I look forward to reading the book, and um, and I can't wait for it to be out in November.
0: Oh, hey, thank you so, you much.
2: so much, Sharon. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: The Whole Health Cure is brought to you by Emory Lifestyle Medicine and Wellness. For more information about wellness assessments, classes, and other resources, please visit our website, emoryhealthcare.org livewell. This material is copyrighted by Emory University.